0: What is up, everybody? Welcome into a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and salary reporter, and very, very happy to join you tonight. Why? Well, we got two hours of good Texans radio for you. We got plenty for you this evening. We're going to hear from Bill O'Brien in this segment. We're going to also talk about an award that was handed out yesterday and just reiterate that in our Hot Reads somebody you all know very well, and he wears number 99. We're going to have Bernardrick McKinney on the show for our Deep Slant interview of the week. We've also got the game plan, as we have each and every Friday. My picks to all NFL games straight up and against the spread. And again, so you don't get too overly excited with that, I'm just doing that too, as a way to go around the NFL, if you will. Talk about the teams and the games that we got going on and some really good ones, including one in Kansas City that I'll definitely have my eyes on as we get ready for the Cowboys on Sunday night. it would be kind of nice. That's why I like the Sunday evening games. First of all, you get to sleep in if that's – well, for me, that's about 7.15. That's about when my dog is going to get me up on Sunday. But at least it's not 5.30, which it usually is each and every Sunday game day. So I get to sleep in a little bit. And then you get to watch a little bit of the early games – And see what Kansas City and Jacksonville have got. That's going to be a great one. So I have my picks. We'll have our Future Community Credit Union first glance keys to the game. And then we'll have our player segment where a great interview between James Palmer and Tyra Matthew will have. We'll also have KJAC TV, a.k.a. Player Reporter, sponsored by Arctic. What would you bring to a party? What would you bring to a party? (laughs) Alfred Blue may have the best answer. And we're going to have the final word with Drew Doherty this week. And it is with rookie wide receiver Kiki Q T after a record-breaking performance against the Indianapolis Colts in his debut. We'll hear from Kiki after that, so it'll be fun to catch up with him. But I'm also thrilled that the Astros took care of business in Game One. Yes, I am a Houstonian to the core, and the Astros bats were alive, especially the top of the order. Springer, bomb. Altuve, bomb. Bregman, bomb. Martin Maldonado, bomb. Yeah, hitting in the nine hole, a huge home run for the Houston Astros after the Indians had cut it to 4-2. To he hits a bomb to put him up 5-2. Astros take game one. JV not not totally sharp, but not completely off his game either. He gets the win. Saw a lot in relief from Presley McCullers. McCullers was great. Got through an inning on only 11 pitches, and the Astros take game one. Get ready for game two tomorrow against the Indians on a Saturday. Saturday's going to be jam-packed because you've got Battle of Piney Woods here. That starts at one. You've got Texas Oklahoma up in Dallas. You've got Astros-Indians playoff game. And then Sunday, which is a break in the uh, the divisional series with Indians, Astros and Indians, you've got the game against the Dallas Cowboys at night. You've got plenty going on in the state, and man, I'm—it's just—it's awesome. It's so cool And to see the Astros get that seven to two win today. Very, very cool. Congrats to them, and hopefully, as I've said this before, it's time for the Texans. When you have these great sports weekends, it's time for the Texans to hold up their end of the bargain. So, pretty happy with all that's transpired today, especially over at Minute Maid Park. Good stuff, and we got good stuff on the show. So happy all around. So let's get this show kicked off as we always do. With some hot reads. Hot reads presented to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. And our first hot read on Friday is and always will be the head coach of your Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien, as he sat down with the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Coach, with a primetime
1: home game, how does that affect your routine, if at all?
2: Yeah, it definitely uh, affects it. You you know, you have more meeting time, especially on uh, Saturday and Sunday. You know, you're able to. To really, uh, you know, have walkthroughs, meet with the players, and make sure that, and also, you know, give them plenty of time to get off their feet. But uh, you know, having a night game gives you gives you ample opportunity to be prepared.
1: It's going to be a crazy bowl-like atmosphere almost at NRG Stadium because there will be a contingent of Dallas fans there. Do you prepare for that sort of thing, the noise, possibilities, and all of that? Yeah,
2: I mean, sure. I mean, you know, we, as you know, we play music and practice all the time. So, uh, you know, I'm imagining it to be a predominant Houston crowd mm-hmm. but but uh you know look it's it, uh, on, on either side of it it could be a raucous crowd so there will be a raucous crowd so you know we're prepared for noise we've been you know we've been playing on the road for the majority of our season so far so uh we practice that way all the time
1: how important is tackling and I guess that's a pretty obvious answer right there but when you're dealing with a guy like Elliot who's tough to bring down
2: yeah I I think it's tackling but it's it's team tackling whether it's in the coverage units on special teams are obviously on defense it's going to take 11 guys to the ball you know that's 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 the thing it's not uh you know it's very difficult for one guy to bring some of these guys down you know barkley and now Elliott, you know, it's just it's a hard task, so it's going to take uh, a team effort to, to, to get to the ball and get these guys down on the ground.
1: What about preparing for their passing game because they seem to be getting better as the season's going along? Yeah,
2: I think so. I mean, it's hard. You know, they've got a lot of good guys. They do a lot of different things schematically. Uh, it's not just drop-back passing. You know, they have a boot game. They have a lot of different play-action things that they do. So we just need to be very focused on – you know, the personnel that's in the game, the down and distance, where the ball is relative to the field position and and really uh communicate well. We've got to communicate very, very well on defense and that's what we've been working on all week.
1: What kind of challenge is it to block them up front?
2: Big challenge. I mean they're they're very athletic, uh, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, they're getting Irving back in there off of suspension, so you know, he's a he's a hard guy to handle. Um uh, guys on the inside are hard to handle. It, it's and then you have Jalen Smith Uh, at at middle linebacker who's, you know, really, really a top player. So a very difficult challenge for us, uh, you know, so our guys are going to have to really, you know, play well.
1: All right, how about special teams? Because you have to feel like you're really improving in this phase.
2: I think so. I think our returns, uh, you know, our punt return, kickoff return has been better. I still think there's more yards out there for us, but I think Irv and the, the blocking's been good. There hasn't been as many penalties. I think there was one last week. So, you know, that's a big key. I think our coverage unit's I think we gave up one 19-yard return last week, which, you know, I think could have been handled better by our guys. But, you know, they, they for the most part, have really covered well. So we need to – that's a big part of the game. That's that's a – you know, you you got to – you have to try to win two out of three phases in every game. And so, obviously, you want to win special teams every time, and that's what we need to do.
1: All right, other factors in pulling this one out, Coach? I,
2: I think it always comes down to uh, our ability to take care of the ball, you know, on offense and on, on our return units, you know. ball security, and then, you know, can we take the ball away? Can we create some turnovers? Uh, I think that's going to be a big key. Then you mentioned tackling on defense. That's going to be a big key. Uh, I think red area is going to be a big key. I think we were a little bit better in the red area last week on offense, and, you know, we need to continue to improve there. We get the ball down the red area. We need to score touchdowns and not not kick field goals, especially against a team like Dallas, who's very explosive.
0: Coach, thanks
1: a lot. Good luck. Thanks, Vandy.
0: Our next hot read comes courtesy of one JJ Watt. Yesterday, JJ was named the AFC Defensive Player of the Month for September. It is the one, two, three, four, five, sixth time that JJ has won such an honor. He won it once back in twenty twelve. Excuse me, twice in twenty twelve. He won it twice in fourteen, once in fifteen. And then once in 2018. Hmm. Interesting, because I was told this summer that he was past his prime and that I should take no, uh, no solace out of the fact that he looked good in training camp and in preseason. So, uh, okay, sure, whatever you say, Peter Bukowski. But you are wrong. That's okay. All right, what did Watt do this month? Well, all he did was register five sacks. That got him to 80 sacks. Faster than every other player in the history of the NFL, except for Reggie White. And as JJ said, he's been chasing Reggie for seemingly every single record. In the four games, Watt compiled 20 tackles, five of those sacks, eight quarterback hits, six tackles for a loss, and four forced fumbles. Watt ranks tied for first in the NFL this season in forced fumbles, tied for second in sacks behind DeMarcus Lawrence by half a sack. Tied for fifth in quarterback hits, tied for fourth in tackles for a loss. In the AFC, Watt is the leader in sacks and forced fumbles while tying for third in both tackles for a loss and quarterback hits. Suffice to say, J.J. Watt has been awesome. And it is really fun to watch him play at this level again, especially after the two years that he's had. I feel so good for him that he has been able to get to that level. That was yesterday, but I figured, you know what, if you didn't hear that news or you'd been so locked into other things, I wanted to at least capture that on Friday evening. So, let's get to our final hot read, and it is the injury report. A lot of people asking, of course, about this during Cooler Talk today. I think the outs for your Texans were to be expected. Aaron Colvin, Brian Peters, both with ankle issues, they will be out. Do expect, I do expect both of them to be out for a few weeks. So, we'll see when they're able to come back. Saw BP in the locker room today, and does He didn't look good after the game, just as walking around. That said, I don't know that either one of them will be back anytime soon. So, that puts the limited participation and the questionable tag on three players. Kiki QT, Will Fuller, Lamar Miller. Now, if I'm going by my gut here, just my gut, I would think we'll see Kiki QT. I'm hoping and thinking we'll see Will Fuller. But my gut says that we will not see Lamar Miller with a chest issue. Those are the three that are questionable, QT, Fuller, and Miller. Huge components of this offense. Hopefully we'll be able to have all three of them back. But having two of them, okay, could live with just one of them. Oh, man, that would sting. Now, on the other side, the Cowboys have got three players out of this one. Travis Frederick, who we knew about. He's been dealing with the wilkes uh syndrome, and he – Hopefully we'll be back for the Cowboys in due time. I I like what Travis Frederick has done in the league. I was a little I was very critical of that selection when the Cowboys made it in 2014, but it's panned out. He's Pro Bowl center. Would like to see him get back on his feet and back in the game very soon. Sean Lee will be out with a hamstring. I know a lot of times Cowboys fans are like, "Oh man, we're gonna miss Sean Lee." Not if Leighton Vander Esch is playing the way that he is playing. It's normally a big loss when Sean Lee is out. Not as much with late Van Resch, the first-round pick, picking the game up as he has. And then Terrence Williams will also be out at wide receiver. Uh, he's been banged up with a foot issue. Questionable, uh, Chidobe Awuzie, Malik Collins, Antoine Woods. Now, Collins hasn't played the last week, maybe two, and Woods got injured in that game against Detroit. Now, wouzier ends up being a very interesting one being Questionable. I would think we will see the second-year guy out of Colorado who plays corner, plays nickel, does a lot of different things for the Cowboys. But those are the three that are questionable. So that means Tavon Austin, Cole Beasley, Ezekiel Elliott, Jeff Heath, Demarcus Lawrence, they are all in. They were all full participants at practice, as was Randy Gregory. It was first noted that he did not practice, and then he was a full participant to practice. So there you go. Out for the Texans, Colvin, Peters, out for the Cowboys, Travis Frederick, Sean Lee. Terrence Williams that is your injury report I don't think it's anything like the Colts had last night or anything like we've seen in the past I always go back to week two against Cincinnati on that Thursday night when the injury report looked like a it, it went on for two pages basically it was brutal it was brutal neither side is at that particular level but some key guys banged up and we'll find out a little bit more about Lamar Miller at about six o'clock on Sunday evening. All right, we get back. It's time for the Deep Slant interview of the week. This week, it is DP City with BMAC, Benardrick McKinney, right here on Texans Access. The Houston Texans Whataburger and the Houston Food Bank are teaming up to help them take on their toughest opponent ever, Houston area hunger. Just donate a dollar the next time you're in an area Whataburger, and that dollar will go to help the Houston Food Bank feed 800,000 of our community neighbors each year. And you'll even get a coupon for a free Whataburger with purchase of a 32-ounce drink and medium fry for every buck that you give. So from now until October 8th, give a buck and be part of the team that's wiping out hunger in Houston. Great stuff there from Whataburger, of course. And welcome back to the show, Texans All Access, on this Friday evening. Hopefully you're having a great one wherever you are. Maybe you're on your way to a high school football game or, oh, I don't know, sitting at home, maybe outside by the pool. I mean, it is still 90-some-odd degrees all the time. It doesn't cool off. It doesn't cool off, I don't think. Or it hasn't anyways. I would like to see it cool off. But what are you going to do? At least we play inside. That's good. And we'll do that on Sunday. And a key figure in that Sunday night matchup is going to be our next guest, Bernardrick McKinney. I remember two nights ago, or two years ago on a Sunday night, Benardrick to me that was one of his best games against the Colts in 2016. He came up with a huge sack on Andrew Luck in overtime. They got the ball back for the Texans and, of course, a field goal by Nick Novak in the 26-23 win. Last year, well, Sunday Night Football is one we'd all like to forget after losing Whitney Merciless. We lost J.J. Watt. It became a struggle for the defense that night, giving up 42, actually giving up 34. They gave up a touchdown to Tyreek Hill. And I want to say there was a two-point conversion in there at some point. I could be wrong about that. But either way, gave up a lot of points last year to Kansas City, and that was a tough day. But I do remember what Bernardrick did those two years ago against the Colts. That was a tremendous night for him. And he sat down this week for our Deep Slant Interview of the Week with our own DP City. DP, take
3: it away.
4: Joining me today, Bernardrick McKinney in his fourth season. BMAC, how's it going today? It's going good. All right, I don't know if you know this, but you have been a topic of conversation for some of us. Uh, Mark Vandermeer did not know that the ties you were wearing to games were metal. He mm-hmm. said something about your style being very, like, nothing new about your style. And, mm-hmm. and we, a few of us said, Mark, Bernardo's been wearing ties that are, like, chrome and gold. Mm-hmm. He had not noticed. So, guess what we got, oh, Guess what he got for his birthday this week? He yeah. got a chrome tie.
3: Oh, that's so, like,
4: the up. So, like, the two of you could be wearing the same tie. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just putting that out there. I'm going to
3: change it up again. Yeah. You're gonna to,
4: <laughs> if you see Mark wearing your tie, then probably you've got to change it up a little bit. Yeah. You got a little bit of a different look. You got the shorter hair. Mm-hmm. So, was that just? Um, I, I heard somebody saying that you're either Bernard or Rick, but you're not Bernard Rick. <laughs> yeah, anyway.
3: um, they tried to change my name. Say so I look, uh, <laughs> I'm Bernard now. But I mean, like I tell everybody, I like changing it up. So you do. You yeah. Do. So maybe next season I might grow my hair back. So
4: okay. Yeah. All right. Look, I like it. I think you should always change your hair yeah. up. I'm a big fan of that. All right. You know, I wanted to ask you about mini camp because back in this off season bill o'brien said that you were in the best shape of your career he thought mm-hmm. as far as your body composition mm-hmm. and how you sort of came into the off season mm-hmm. would you say that's true did you feel like you were in the best shape
3: absolutely that's that's 100% true um, uh last couple of seasons uh playing like at 262 now uh like 250 i feel unbelievable uh just running i can uh, last a lot longer I know uh, being that way at 260, I had a lot of back problems uh, uh, getting to me. But now I'm in the best shape. Um, changed my eating habits just a little bit, uh, trying to eat right. But uh, I feel unbelievable.
4: So you dropped some weight yeah, this offseason. season. Yeah. How much is a lot?
3: Like I said, I was like 262. I'm like 250.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's that's. Well, it seems like a lot of people have changed their diets this offseason with the new, uh, the yeah. new nutrition and yeah. sports performance and everything. So that was right around the time that you signed your contract extension. Mm-hmm. Was that very much a factor for you wanting to change your body composition and to get into to the, the shape that you're in now?
3: Yeah, uh it just um just uh the last couple of years just uh just being that big having to uh, cover fast running backs uh kind of hurt me. But uh, Luke, uh, Lad, doing a great job with the nutrition, um, the body comps and all that, doing a great job, and I just uh, feel more flexible, feel like I can run faster. I just, I just feel I just feel a little better than I did last year.
4: Did you have to cut certain foods out of your diet? Because I was talking to Will <laughs> Fuller about this. He he did the opposite. He gained weight. Mm-hmm. So he told me he was eating spaghetti like three times a day. Yeah. I, I think it would be I, easier to gain weight, but that's just me. Yeah. So if to lose weight, what, what did you have to – is there something that you lo- love eating that you had to sort of give up?
3: Yeah, um, it wasn't even that. It, it was, like, I, I'm big, but I, I really didn't eat that much. Like, my eating habits was bad. So, it's um, on an off day or something, I probably would eat breakfast and probably will not eat again until later on that day. But now, uh, lads is doing a great job, just uh, making me eat a lot of protein and just, just being consistent like I was um, in college because we had meal plans and we had to eat. It made us eat, and I was, like, 242 then, but it – I would say it's just my eating habits were not eating a, eating enough protein, just eating junk food chips and uh sometimes wendy's, but uh, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, yeah. yeah, so
4: so then you signed the contract extension, you know, I'm sure that was a big moment for you to be on your second contract and to really know that this organization wants you here mm-hmm. for the future what was sort of your emotions going through that process when you actually? Signed that sign the extension
3: um i can remember uh i was uh chilling at, uh, with my homeboy, and my agent called me and uh told me what was going on and um i instantly i mean i got happy i mean at first i wasn't really thinking about it because i wasn't i mean I, w- I wasn't really thinking about it because i didn't want to stress over it but uh when it happened uh it was a good relief uh made me a little emotional uh to be able to take care of my family and all that but uh it was a, it was a great honor. Um, for the Texans to be able to trust me uh, with that type of money and just believe in me, so
4: I would imagine as a dad, that's a huge weight sort of lifted off your shoulder that you've got a little bit of job st- stability. You get to mm-hmm. stay in Houston mm-hmm. for the next few years. Yeah,
3: I mean it's great. Houston is a great city. Uh, come from Mississippi, uh, Tonkin, Mississippi. Nothing uh, really, really there. Uh, small population, but uh, just moving to Houston uh, has been a great change for me, and I love it.
4: All right, so fourth season, Romeo Cornell said you're sort of like the big fish in a little pond. When you came in, you were the little fish in a big pond. Yeah. You seem to adjust so quickly to the defense in year one, and mm-hmm. now you're in year four. So where do you think you've improved, and where are the, what are the areas that you still want to get better in?
3: Um, uh, what I think I improved in is just uh, being the leader uh, on, the de- on this defense. We have a lot of great uh, players, especially when I came in having to uh, – uh, get a calls out to guys like vince Wilford. just I had to grow up real fast, the guys like cush uh and uh Rabel did an unbelievable job just teaching me to be a leader um but um now i just I just feel a lot more comfortable um just trying to help the young guys out like the older guys help me out and just um just play football just try to get everybody lined up and have fun
4: Is there anywhere that you think that you still want to improve your game
3: um yeah uh, most definitely just um uh, just being a little more uh just being a little more consistent uh, we playing. I mean, I, I mean the coaches. Uh, I, I do all right. How I feel? I feel like I do all right. But um, just being a little more consistent. Just, um, just helping other guys out. Just trying to get the defense to be on the same page um, every play, not some of the times. But just try to, just be a lead on the defense every play. When, even when I'm tired, or even when we're down, if we have a bad play, just try to be consistent with getting everybody lined up.
4: I think when I hear the coaches talk about you, that's the word that sort of comes up the most is leader, your mm-hmm. leadership skills. Mm-hmm. And you played quarterback. I know we've talked about mm-hmm. this. You know, back yeah. back in the day you played quarterback. Yeah. And I I feel like I read somewhere that you said it was your dad that really taught you how to be a yeah. leader at a young yeah. age. Yeah. Like what was the lesson your dad taught you? How do you teach leadership to a, um, to a kid?
3: It's just um, growing up like every day, um, all the kids come to my, uh, my house. Uh, my coaches, all, I mean my dad used to always – have us doing drills, football, basketball, basketball, shooting threes. But everybody used to – my friends just look up to me like – even now, like, if, if if I'm on an off day, my friends would look at me like, hey, what are we doing today? And I'd be like <laughs>
4: – You're the leader of fun? Yeah, I'd be
2: like,
3: yeah, I'll be like <laughs> why you can't figure out what we're doing? It was like, no, you, you find out what we're doing. So it, it's just uh, – I don't know. It just it just kind of happened, and uh, I grew into it, and every. I mean, high school, playing quarterback, uh, college playing inside linebacker. And it just – it kind of came easy just uh, just to be a leader.
4: Was your dad a coach?
3: No, my dad actually – he was a quarterback in high school.
4: Your dad was a yeah. quarterback. So he would just have you and your friends come over and yeah, he would, like, keep you all busy. Yeah. Do you think you'll be – do you do that with your kids now too?
3: Oh, yeah, my son, he, he's always, he always have a ball in his hand. Yeah, but, <laughs> he's, yeah.
4: like, he's like a mini you, by the way. I've seen your Instagram <laughs> stories. All right, um – Dak Prescott, you're going to face him mm-hmm. on Sunday. You guys were teammates at Mississippi mm-hmm. State. You, you speaking of being a leader, he was sort of the leader in the offense, mm-hmm. and you were the leader on the defense, yeah. right?
3: Uh, Dak, he's a, he's a competitor um, in college. We always compete uh, every day, day in and day out. I always him, uh, always brought juice uh, to practice. It, it never was a, a dull, dead, um, tiring practice. We always had we always had fun, even offense or defense. So.
4: Do you think that his game has changed at all since you saw him? Because he sort of had that skill set even mm-hmm. at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. What he was able to do. How, have you? I know you guys have watched a little bit of uh-huh. film on him. How different does he look to you now?
3: Um, I don't know. He always, like I said, he always been a competitor. Uh, he always competed. Um, he always didn't show fear uh, on the field. He, uh, like I said, he's a, he's a great competitor. But um, I mean, I've seen a lot of plays he, uh, he 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 made in college. A lot of big plays from Mississippi State. And, uh, he still doing the same thing so it's kind of hard to try to see what what he, what he's changed now it's
4: it seems like between him and then ezekiel elliott first of all you guys have faced some good running backs mm-hmm. this year but then ezekiel elliott he might be one of the biggest challenges mm-hmm. that you face this year what makes these backs so hard to bring down first of all they're so big first of all i would imagine that'd be part of it
3: yeah uh it is kind of um hard playing uh uh playing guys like that because they're, they're very explosive uh they're good out of the, I mean, uh, in the backfield, and they're good um, in space. They're good um, running routes. It, it's kind of hard uh, playing against guys like that, but I mean, we have a, a great, strong defense. Uh, we're just gonna get uh, 11 guys to the uh, to him every play and just just tackle and rally and just have fun.
4: How do you feel this defense is coming together? Obviously, you see mm-hmm. J.J. Watt, mm-hmm. uh, AFC Defensive Player of the Month, and then Clowney, what he was able to do in the last game. Now you sort of see the pieces coming together. How exciting is it to get to play behind those guys? It's,
3: it's very exciting. Uh J, JJ J is unbelievable to watch. He he makes a lot of a lot of plays for us, uh, a lot of big plays at that. Uh JD is very explosive. I like playing with him. Me and him always um talking on the field uh, even if I'm if I'm getting on him or he's uh, getting on me. I mean, we have a lot of fun on the field. We always like last game really show what we really could be um, as a team, just uh, having fun. We brought a lot of juice uh, to that game. We played together, and it was fun just seeing them guys make plays.
4: And then the linebackers group. I know last year we talked a lot about Dylan Cole, and obviously – really unfortunate the injury that he had this year but then you have duke edge so it seems like every year you've got yeah. a new linebacker that sort of comes in and and does some nice things mm-hmm. right off the bat mm-hmm. how much you sort of take them under your wing and mm-hmm. and what is that like sort of that process of getting them up to speed
3: yeah rack always when i was a rookie i always said uh is always the next man uh up. unfortunately dylan had to uh an injury he's a great a great athletic player like he's super athletic uh but it's unfortunate that um he, uh, he was so injury. much fun to watch yeah, too. Yeah, he's 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 very fast. Uh but Duke um he's doing an unbelievable job taking the coaching. Um don't really say too much, but if he if he if he needed to um if he needed help, you can tell he he'll come to you and ask like what do I do on this? But he's a great coach. I mean, unbelievable uh, player uh, on the field and I, I just love seeing him make plays. So
4: all right, Sunday night you guys face the Cowboys here at home. Mm-hmm. What do you know about this rivalry? Because you weren't really here the last no, time I these two teams no, played. No, I wasn't
3: really here. I just uh,
4: You've seen them in the preseason. That's just not the same as a primetime Sunday night matchup, yeah, though.
3: Yeah, but I can tell it's different because a lot of people have been um, hitting me up trying to uh, get tickets, get to, the tickets to the game. <laughs> a lot of people have been trying to uh, get tickets to the game. But it's going to be a great game for the fans, a great uh, opportunity for us to play against uh, play against them, and uh, I'm looking forward to it.
4: We're looking forward to seeing you as well, Bernard. Yes, no. As always, thanks so much.
3: Yeah, thank you. Man, I can't even
0: imagine what the ticket requests are 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 like for the players. I just can't. I know I get them from people. Hey, man, I don't know if you can do anything for me, but, dude, if you could score four for this game, like, down by the field, really inexpensive, that'd be great. Like, it's for this one? When, for this one, I – no way. For others, well, no way either, but it's at least a little bit easier. But, man, these tickets have been a hot item for a long time. Long time. I mean, I think the nosebleeds on the secondary market are like 175 bucks, So they are they are a hot item. There's no question about that. And it's obviously part of a tremendous weekend here in Houston. Astros-Indians playoff games. You've got the Battle of the Piney Woods on Saturday, which I know means a lot to people at SFA and to Sam Houston State and obviously us in the building with Lone Star Sports Entertainment. So looking forward to that. And then Sunday night, you've got the game with the Dallas Cowboys. All right, when we get back, it's time for the Gain Plan with Brian Gain. He sat down with Mark Vandermeer earlier this week. We'll have that for you next on Texans All Access. Welcome back to the show, Texans All Access, from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you on this Friday evening, and it's time for the Gain Plan. GM Brian Gain each and every week sits down with our own Mark Vandermeer, and they talk about various topics going on in the NFL, going on with the team, with Brian's history. And then this one will probably tug a little bit at the at the heartstrings for Bryant considering he spent three years with the Dallas Cowboys as the director of pro scouting before he moved on to the Dolphins. He spent that time there with Bill Parcells, somebody obviously that has meant a lot. Bryant's talked about the impact that Bill Parcells had on his, especially early career when he was a scout with the Jets. Then he was with the Cowboys when Parcells was there. So there's a lot of crossover with Brian Gain and with Bill Parcells and a lot of what he learned about the personnel business comes from his time with Bill Parcells. So I know for a lot of the personnel guys and coaches, they move around the league and they coach at different spots but still when you see when you see a helmet and a jersey on the other side that you once worked for at some point it a it's, it's got to tug at you a little bit and I'm sure Brian will have that moment on Sunday evening when the Cowboys walk in that building. no question about that brian sat down with mark for the game plan
1: brian gain joining us in the hyundai texans radio studio brian congratulations on the win i gotta think it's a big relief and and very satisfying to get the first one done because that's how you get on a roll to get that first one
5: correct uh division game uh division game on the road uh first division game on the road had a chance to to get the victory in a tough environment uh, ironically enough the, the stadium roof was open uh but it was an exciting environment uh we're happy to get the win. Um, just completed the first quarter of the season. If you break the quarter, uh, the season into four quarters, that was the first quarter of the season. So it was good to end that phase with a victory. We're looking forward to coming home here, uh, getting our, our second chance here to play in front of our home crowd. Uh, a great a great tilt here with the Cowboys on a Sunday night game and and a, and a chance to uh, play in front of a national audience. So we're excited about the opportunity, but uh, proud of our team. Mm-hmm. Faced a lot of adversity throughout the game. We dealt with some injuries, the ups and downs, the leads, uh, the competitive uh, environment it was deep into the fourth quarter, into the overtime. Our guys fought, and I, th- I thought we showed a lot of football personality in this game. So I was very happy for our coaches and our players because I know the time and effort these guys put in for the six days leading up to the game. So it was, it was a good team win. We are excited about it. It was a division game, so we're on to the next one.
1: When you look at what Deshaun Watson has been through in his career so far, last year with the six starts and then the knee and then rehabbing from the knee, and now he just completed his 10th overall start, and you see some improvement along the way. What's your evaluation
5: of him? Sure. He had a very productive game yesterday, and and I like the way he led the team. Uh, People see the stats. They see the results, and and they see the film. Uh, Those are important, but some of the in-between stuff – the ability to, to command the team and to, the poise he showed in some of the critical moments in the games, He made some big throws at big moments in the game. Those are great, uh, great growing moments, I think, for a young quarterback to, to get those experiences under under his belt. And in a very difficult situation and circumstance in what I would call like a gotta-have-it moment, like he made some critical throws there down the stretch to position us to keep us alive and then to position us to go for the victory.
1: It looks like the offensive line, the more they play, the more they improve. And that's just going to be time with them, right? Because you basically put a bunch of guys together, and they've got to be able to grow and
5: get chemistry along the way. You hit it on the nose. Chemistry, um, I like to call it continuity on the offensive line. And that also leads to communication. So five guys playing together, playing as a unit. If one guy doesn't do his job, the play can fail. So it's very important for that to be coordinated. You know, Nick Martin's had a very positive season so far. You know, he's the – the center obviously for us has come back from injury, which was great to see. We've dealt with some injury. We got some youth in the lineup, a balance of experience, so perhaps it's another week where they're gelling, the communication's getting better, coordination's getting better, the continuity's a little better. My hope is that'll improve week to week.
1: You know, the things we say about Watson, we could almost say them about Martin because he hasn't played a ton of football yet. He's still learning. He's still growing.
5: Yes, he is. You know, the other thing I mentioned earlier about Deshaun, some of it's in between and it's not in the stats. The thing about Nick Martin is, is I see an emerging leader. I see a guy that's, that's an emerging leader amongst his peers. In the locker room, amongst his group here on the offensive line, but like we've stated in the past, he, we like the, the the measurables. You know, he's six foot five, he's three hundred five, three hundred ten pounds. Knows how to use his hands. Very instinctive guy. Can play at the point. Can pull and run. Uh, can play in space. Very instinctive guy. And one thing you're going to get with Nick every game is you're going to get everything he has. And that that's that's a great intangible that he offers. And you can watch the tape. He looks like a guy that loves football.
1: One thing about Kiki QT that Bill O'Brien pointed out, he gave his don't enshrine him yet speech about QT, but he had a sensational debut, really. And is that what you were expecting, that kind of caliber of play, the hands and the ability to absorb the offense?
5: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So those are the things that we saw from from Kiki at, at Texas Tech when we scouted him. We were excited to get him in the fourth round when we did. And what I would say is like the, the, the vision of the player, based on what we thought about him in the scouting process, I felt has transferred to what we would expect him to be here uh, at the pro level. But, but Coach is right. I mean, you're only as good as your last game, and I'm sure Kiki would even tell you there was a couple of plays he left out on the field mm-hmm. as well. So the important thing, too, is getting on the same page in terms of the chemistry and the nonverbal communication with his quarterback, with Deshaun, where perhaps they haven't had as many bat- bats under their belt, but now they're building that up. So some of that is the quiet communication, the nonverbal communication, the subtleties of, of knowing, hey, when I lean this way, I'm going to do that. Some of those things only come with repetition and chemistry and coordination. So we're looking forward to that getting better. Um, but I'm sure Kiki, if he was sitting here today, he'd probably tell you the same. He probably left a few players out in the field. But we're excited about his promising potential. Fast, explosive, quick, good hands, can make plays after the catch. So happy to have him.
1: Brian, when you look at the cornerback situation, you lost Kevin Johnson to IR early on, and then Aaron Colvin gets hurt in the Colts game. So give me a sense of the picture there as you signed Sharice Wright to help out. Kayvon Webster, help is on the way eventually with him. Is that the picture pretty much? And you do have some practice squad option here
5: yeah we adapt improvise overcome I don't I don't know it sounds like coach Beak, but the next man has to be up and when we brought Kayvon Webster onto the team you know he was still recovering from injury kind of in the final phase of that as it relates to getting ready to play football and and we feel like he's just about ready here to to perform in a contributing role Uh, he was coming off an Achilles injury from last year with the Rams And what we like about Kayvon is that he has both contributing backup experience and starting experience. He's seen playtime both as a perimeter cornerback and also at the nickel position. And then thirdly, he's been a fourth down player and pretty good at that in his career. So we think for our situation right now with Kayvon here in the pipeline, that he offers us the versatility number one to function in a contributing role either on the perimeter or from the slot but even if brad sealy had to use him on fourth down there's jobs for him to be earned there as well so um perhaps that insurance of signing him then the, the dividend has come to fruition now where where we need him and we think he's pretty close to to contributing at this point
1: When you have to make those tough decisions, do I put a guy on PUP? Do you put him on IR? Do you hold him on the 53-man roster? You don't really know when he's going to be ready because it's inexact, isn't it? So how do you arrive at those decisions prior to – forming that 53
5: after the preseason? Short and long-term planning, uh, number one. Number two, we're we're always contingency planning. You've heard me say this before in in our conversations that, you know, if if X happens, here's where we're going. We're going to go to Y or we're going to go to Z. And we do that basically at every position, regardless of injuries. So I'm always meeting with our personnel staff and our scouting staff discussing the options. And we'll have meetings every week and discuss what those options will be, if and when. Uh, those opportunities arise or when we're faced with those decisions but contingency planning is very big in our in our scouting process and one thing i've learned in, in, the, in my past uh and over over my career is when you build a roster at the 53 you're trying to build it for 17 weeks hopefully 20 mm-hmm. but you're certainly trying to build a roster for to to go out there play week one but also a roster that can stand the test of time and still be strong in december
1: When you look at this game this week, now you didn't grow up in this area, but you got here as fast as you could, like many people who live in Texas now say, like me. But what do you compare it to? Because Houston versus Dallas is huge for the fans. And I know for the team, it's another game you have to prepare for it schematically, very similar to another game. But this goes beyond normal football for most of the viewers and the
5: fans this week. What do you make of it? Yeah, we're certainly aware of that factor when when we're, we're playing the Cowboys. So we're excited about this opportunity because we understand it's, obviously for the for the state of Texas bragging rights. Um but I actually ironically enough, Mark, like years ago like I worked at the Cowboys. Yep. And here I am now working at the Texans. So my experience of being in both organizations I think is unique. So my perspective is certainly understandable of how important this game is to our fan base, to our city. I'm sure the same in, in Dallas. But uh, we're excited about this opportunity. And, and the other thing is it's going to be on national television, a national audience. But uh, it is, you know, singular focus. You've heard me say this in the past, you know, singular purpose here. It's the next game. And we're excited about playing in front of our home crowd. We think we have some of the the, uh, the greatest home field. We have the greatest home field advantage in the NFL. we got great home fans, very supportive of us. So it's going to be an exciting night no question about it i've got
1: one more for you special teams you made the difficult decision after the preseason to retain trevor daniels your punter and he's starting to make some really nice punts for you i mean he grounded them at the two at one point and then a moment later you have the ball in the end zone for a defensive touchdown
5: those kinds of things are huge for your team steadily improving uh in a week to week you see a little bit more improvement as he gains more experience and more comfort here i think coach Sealy and and uh his staff are doing an excellent job with uh, developing Trevor. One thing I notice with young punters when they when they come into the league is you know perhaps from the strategic kicks with the placements, mm-hmm. the locations uh, combining that with the the coverage units sometimes younger players are more developmental in that phase what i 've liked about Trevor is is that he 's been a quick study with with those facets of the punting game and not just blasting the ball but understanding the strategic advantage of ball location placement, hang time and meshing that all with the coverage equally we put a lot of resource this this offseason into improving our gunners and getting more more coverage players either through the draft through free agency, through street free agency through the claiming process at the 53 so the combination with maybe Trevor's steady improvement with some of the coverage players that we've added to the roster since last year we feel like those have been some of the inroads that we've made to help improve our, our punt cover team brian thanks a lot good luck this week thank you
0: it's an interesting note right there at the end about Trevor Daniel and the punt cover team. Obviously, special teams, such a big factor for this team in the past in that it was not at a level that Bill O'Brien or anybody in the organization at that point really wanted. But when I look out there and I see the changes that were made on the punt coverage team, and you see the guys that are running down on punt cover team, and you see where, what Trevor's doing, four of his five punts inside the 20-yard line, I thought a key moment in the game in the entire game was the punt that he had when it was seven 0 nothing, the Texans bogged down on the forty nine yard line and he drops one inside the five. Johnson Batamosi kills it right there at the two and that sets up the clowny touchdown. I mean that that's complimentary football at its finest. And having guys like Johnson Batamosi, having guys like AJ Moore to run down on on punt team and to be there to be able to make plays as gunners I mean that's huge. Those are personnel uh, openings, in some sense. But uh, I should say personnel deficiencies we've had in the past, and we've helped that for sure. And hopefully we continue to do that. I'd like not to punt, but when your punter is pinning the other team inside the twenty four out of five times, that's a that's a pretty good that's a pretty good day. And Trevor's doing a nice job. He's getting a little bit better, a little bit more comfortable by the day, and I think that has uh, that's boded well for that punt team in particular, but that's the, the special teams units. Those are the ones that are always changing with roster churn at the bottom of the roster. You know, there are changes. We got to make changes uh, at the bottom of this roster. And, and Brian's always looking to see whether there are opportunities to bring in players, but the guys that have been out there on special teams have definitely contributed lately. And those units from last year to this year are, I don't want to say night and day different, but man, Brad Seeley and Tracy Smith done a really nice job with those units. So I was glad to see and hear Brian, discuss them right there all right when we get back it's time for my nfl picks i do it each and every friday night i go through all the games i think there are a couple teams on a bye this week so i think it's 14 games i could be wrong about that but we really kind of get into the bye weeks or the open weeks i should say starting next week so we got a lot of games to get through i will pick them against the spread and straight up and obviously trying to hit on the Important pieces of news of the day as it pertains to those teams when we get back right here on Texans Access. Calling all Houston area teachers! Want to bring a little Texas football to your classroom? Then sign up for Toros Materials, presented by Conoco Phillips. Toros Matrils is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexas.com slash toros to learn more. Big thanks to Conoco Phillips for doing that teaching math through football. I love it. You know I love it. Taught math. Coached football. Every now and again, I could bring them together. Every now and again. Sometimes those are some of my best tests, too. Some my football players did better on those tests than they did on other things. But I digress. All right, it's time to go around the NFL. And when we go around the NFL, we do it, well, we do it my way. Who am I? I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter for Texans All Access each and every Friday evening. And it's time to go pick these games. That's what we do. When we go around the NFL, I pick games straight up and against the spread. It's a good way to talk about the NFL and what's happening in the NFL and all the things. Listen, it's the most talked about league. Major League Baseball playoffs are going on and people are talking about that. Yes. And the NBA is about to kick off and people are talking about that. Everybody wants to talk about the NFL. Everybody. And everybody likes picks. Whether I'm right or wrong, they like to know whether I'm right or I'm wrong. I My percentage is up in the 90s this year. I'm just telling you. Against the spread. I can make people a lot of money if that's what you use it for. It's not really for those that dabble in the dark arts. It's more just a way to talk about the teams and the games and things happening this weekend. And really to give you an opinion. This team will win. This team will lose. You can see how right I am or how wrong I am. I'm wrong a lot of times, but that's okay. I've come to grips with it. Have you? Yeah, I know you have. All right, here we go. Well, wait a second. We're missing something. I'm missing something. My music. Get my music. Bang. There it is. Maestro. Here we go. Thursday night game, I'm 3-0 in the last three weeks. I've gotten all three the last three weeks. So Thursday night, it was New England, 10.5 points favorite over Indy. Oh, my goodness. Indy had nearly everybody out of that game. And yet, at one point, it was 24-17. But 38-24, that gets the cover and the win. I had New England to cover and win. So 1-0. Last week, I had the Rams they were a six-and-a-half-point favorite. They won by seven. <laughs> and before that was – man, who was before that? I'm trying to think of who was in week uh, – that would have been five, four, three. That would have been week three. But I know I got that one too. So I'm I'm sitting at a cool three, you know, the last three weeks on Thursday. So you want Thursday winners, I got them for you. Uh, all right, 1-800-876-252, whatever it was. Here we go. Tennessee goes to Buffalo. Tennessee's 3-1. and one. Tennessee's hot. They've won the last three. They lost that mega game down with Miami in the rain. And then they beat us. They beat Jacksonville. And then last week they beat the Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles. They're feeling good. They're hot. They're going to Buffalo. But they're only a three-and-a-half point favorite at Buffalo. I'm still going with Tennessee. I think Tennessee's just better in Buffalo at this point. Would love, 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 love to see Josh Allen go off. I just don't think he will. I just don't think that it's going to happen much this year. But I certainly hope that it happens this week and not next because the Buffalo Bills will end up coming here to take on the Texans in Week 6. be nice to beat Dallas and have Buffalo come here. But Josh Allen, it would be nice of you to do a, do a solid for us and get a win over Tennessee. I just don't think it's going to happen, so I'm taking Tennessee to win and cover the 3.5 on the road. Miami is... A 6.5-point dog at Cincinnati. Now, these two teams, I Miami in particular, I did not see Miami being 3-1. Cincinnati was sort of a mystery to me. But Andy Dalton, the offense, getting cranked up. Offensive coordinator Bill Lazor is a guy I played against him in college. He played at Cornell. Smart dude. He was kind of a grinder, kind of a gritty quarterback when he was in college. But, man, he is a smart offensive coordinator. Learned a lot with Chip Kelly. Spent some time with the Eagles. Bill Lazor is getting it done. For Cincy, I think that's going to be enough. I think Cincy routes Miami. Cincinnati's a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I think the Bengals win, go to four-and-one, and and put a lot of pressure on the Baltimore Ravens atop the AFC North. And Baltimore, they've got one coming up. I would say on the surface, not that difficult, but Cleveland can score on anybody, especially with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. We'll get that in a little bit. But I take Cincinnati to cover the six-and-a-half, win by a touchdown or more over Miami in Cincinnati. The game of the weekend, Jacksonville going to Kansas City. Jacksonville 3-1, arguably the best defense in the league. Kansas City, arguably the best offense in the league. If it's not Kansas City, it's probably L.A. If it's not L.A., it's probably Kansas City as of right now. Because I think the Texans, with a little bit more consistency on both run pass, a little better protection up front, they could put themselves in that mix. But right now, it's probably Kansas City or it's L.A. Kansas City's got all... Guns are firing Three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. I'm taking Jacksonville against the spread. I think Jacksonville will get inside the number, but I think KC is going to do us a solid. This feels like 21-20, 24-23. This feels like no more than a three-point ball game. But I'm going to take Kansas City to win, but I'm going to take Jacksonville to get inside the three-and-a-half and get that cover. Baltimore, I mentioned them a little while ago. They're fresh off a Sunday night win. Against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Now they go back out on the road, and this time taking on the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland had a victory in its grasp last week in Oakland. Let it slip. Didn't give up too much point, too many points. But they had an opportunity. 42-34. Derek Carr throws an incomplete in the end zone. They got to run off two minutes of time. Basically, couldn't do it. Oakland got the win, got the tie, and then kicked the field goal to get the win in overtime. That put Cleveland. Down for another defeat sitting at 1-2-1. and one. Cleveland's a two-and-a-half point dog at home. I'm going to go Baltimore in this one. Even though Sunday night at Pittsburgh, Sunday afternoon at Cleveland, I could see this being a little bit of a physical letdown spot for Baltimore. I, I just, Baltimore was impressive, but I still, man, I don't know. A lot of people think they could be the team that comes out of the AFC. I'm not totally there yet, but Baltimore will win this one by more than two-and-a-half. So I'll take Baltimore to win and to cover. Denver goes to the Jets. Denver 2-2. Two two, Jets 1-3. And, and the Jets not having some good times, if you will, after that win over Detroit. With Xavier at quarterback, it was thought, man, they're going to turn this thing around. They got thumped last week at Jacksonville. Denver, they had one right in... Oh, it was just beyond their fingertips. I was going to say it was right in his hands, but it really wasn't. It was just... Just beyond. Case missed his receiver just by inches. It was that close to an improbable victory for the Broncos. But they didn't get it, and now they got to go on the road. And they're a one-and-a-half-point dog to the New York Jets. I don't know that i buy that. I'm taking Denver to win. I would say cover, but one-and-a-half points, you're basically picking straight up. So I'm going to go with Denver for the win over the New York Jets. Atlanta goes to Pittsburgh. It is a must-win for both teams. Atlanta 1-3, Pittsburgh 1-2-1. I'm going to give Pittsburgh the edge here in large part because Atlanta's banged up. Defensively, Deion Jones is gone. Ricardo Allen's gone. Those are huge injuries for Atlanta. I just think the injuries have mounted too much. They can score the ball on anybody. And this this has the makings of another 37-36 game or a 45-42 kind of game. But I'm going to go with Pittsburgh, favored only by 2.5 at home. Get Pittsburgh with the win and the cover. Green Bay goes to Detroit. Detroit is a a one-and-a-half point dog at home. Packers 2-1-1. Get the win last week against Buffalo. And shut out Buffalo in the process. Now, other teams have done that as well when Buffalo's offense has bogged down. But it's a different challenge taking on Detroit. Detroit's running the ball a little bit better with On Johnson. Probably should have won that game against Dallas last week. And now they come home. But I still think Green Bay overall just better, more talented at key spots. I think Aaron Rodgers will pull that one out with a one and a half point favor. I don't want to say it's a, basically a pickup, but I'll go with Green Bay. They'll cover that one and a half and get the win over Detroit. Even look, 26 24, that gets you to cover for Green Bay. So I'm going with Green Bay to, be, uh, to beat the Lions. Giants go to Carolina. It's a Dave Gettleman special. Giants 1 and 3, Carolina 2 and 1. Carolina's favored by 7.5. And I know there's been some disgruntled Giants fans with Eli Manning. Did not have the day against the Saints that he had against the Texans. Too much inconsistency. If that's the case, I think he could ride the wave back up against Carolina. I do think the Panthers will win, but I do think the Giants will make this a little closer than the Vegas experts think. Like I said, Carolina favored by 7.5. I'm going to take the Giants to get inside that 7.5. It feels like a 7-point victory. Or less. So I'm going Giants to cover, Carolina to win. The Raiders go to the Chargers. And how about this? I saw this note that the Chargers have been practicing with crowd noise this week. (laughs) Because the Raiders are coming to town. And the fear is that the Raiders fans will far outnumber the Chargers fans. And so they had to practice with crowd noise. Oh, good grief. The LA Chargers are just better than the Raiders. Five and a half or more better than the Raiders? Yes, I think so. I think the Chargers get that win at home, in air quotes. I mean, they are at home, technically, but it won't feel like a home game because the Raiders fans will be out in mass in that one in Los Angeles. But Chargers still going to win, and they're going to cover that 5.5. Then you got the Rams, one of the two undefeated teams in football. At 4-0, go to Seattle. The Rams are a 7.5-point favorite. Seattle's played a little bit better the last two weeks, but it was Dallas at home, and they caught Dallas at the right time on the road. And then it was Arizona and Arizona, and last-second field goal got them the win. I think the 7.5 point spread feels about right. I think the Rams get the win. I also think they get the cover. It feels right. It feels like 7-10. to So I think that's probably better to to go with the Rams to cover that 7.5, and they'll definitely get the win over Seattle. Arizona goes to San Francisco. Arizona 0-4. Showed some life last week. Came close. Beat by a last-second field goal at home. Oh, man, I feel for Larry Fitzgerald and Pat Peterson. Those are, those are two good dudes stuck in a tough situation in Arizona. San Francisco's 1-3. and three. I feel bad for the 49ers, too, because they're without Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, C.J. Bathard has done some okay things. Will he do okay things enough to get San Francisco the win and the cover? I think he gets them the win, but I think Arizona gets the cover. The win close to be 21-18, 2017, something like that. And then... Uh, but that will give Arizona the cover. The spread is four and a half. So Arizona inside the number. San Francisco to get the win at home going to two and three. Minnesota goes to Philly. Talk about two teams that need a win and the worst way. Not another tie for Minnesota. But Minnesota goes back to the scene of the crime. The crime, last year's NFC Championship game. And boy, was that brutal. 41-7. to The game was over at halftime. It was just over. Now, Kirk Cousins is under center instead of Case Keenum, but doesn't make much of a difference, especially if the Vikings are without Everson Griffin again. I think Philadelphia with Carson Wentz, now back in the fold. Didn't get it done last week at Tennessee, had every opportunity to. Didn't cover anybody on fourth down, unfortunately. But I think Philly at his three-and-a-half point favorite will get the win against the Vikings at home. The Vikings will fall to 1-3-1. and one. And a lot of questions about where the Vikings should be and where they will be after that one to Philadelphia. Then you got Dallas and Houston. You know how I feel about that. Houston's a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Uh, you know I always lean, win, and cover by the good guys, and this week it takes on an even more good guys sentiment because the Cowboys are coming to town. And if you're a Houston fan, you hate the Cowboys. You know you haven't seen them for four years, you hate the Cowboys. You grew up in Houston, you were an Oilers fan, you hate the Cowboys. It's just the way you're it's the way you're spun, man. It's just the way it is. So you know how I feel about that. Texans to cover and win against the Cowboys, and that'll move them to two and three if they get that done and can change everything at that point. Then your Monday night game, you got the Redskins going to New Orleans. Now the Redskins coming off a bye and a win against the Packers prior to that bye. They got an early, early bye. Wow. New Orleans gets a big win last week against the New York football giants. And the New Orleans Saints are favored by six and a half down in the dome. I think Washington, I think Washington defensively, they'll be they're gonna be better. They've got some players up front. With Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, Ryan Kerrigan off the edge, they've got some guys up front. Offensively, I just I don't see it. It's Alex Smith. I watched their entire game against the Colts and I thought, man, offensively, deficient. So you know what? I'm going with New Orleans to get the win. And the cover, New Orleans has only got to win that by a touchdown. So you know, 34-17 gets it done. I think it could be in that realm. I would imagine the Redskins are going to want to run the rock, turn that clock, try and keep Drew Brees on the sideline. But I think Brees will be out there enough to be able to get that 6.5-point cover. Got Mark Ingram coming to back, and I think that's going to be big for the Saints because Kamara and Ingram playing off one another. Kamara's been toting the mail, catching the football a lot, a ton of touches for him. I don't want to take away from his momentum, but I do think to preserve him over a 16-game season, they needed Mark Ingram in the worst way. So Ingram and Kamara back together, I think that's enough to beat the Washington Redskins. So there you go. around the NFL. I did it my way, as Frank Sinatra once said. And my way is just picking all the games straight up and against the spread. All right, we get back. It's time for our first green credit union. First glance, keys to the game. We'll have those for you next. Offense, defense, special teams against the Cowboys. What do these Texans got to do to get a W on Sunday night? We'll tell you next on Texas All Access. It's time for this week's First Community Credit Union First Glance Keys to the Game. They're brought to you by FCCU, First Community Credit Union, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. I do this each and every week, folks, where we talk about the keys to a win. What are the things that the three units – Must do, must do on Sunday to go get a win against the Dallas Cowboys. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John Harris, and it's time to dive in. So let's do it. Let's start with the offense. The offensive keys to a win against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, this is a very athletic Cowboys defense. They have played Carolina. They played Detroit. They played the New York Giants, and they played Seattle. So they've played four of, I think, the I say four of the better quarterbacks in the league, but all four have gone to Pro Bowls. You're talking about Super Bowl MVP with Eli Manning. You're talking about a league MVP in Cam Newton. You're talking about a guy in Russell Wilson that's won a Super Bowl. And uh, Matthew Stafford, who has been to numerous Pro Bowls. They have faced four pretty good Pro Bowl quarterbacks, and they've only given up 300 yards in one of those games. Now... Good news, depending on how you look at it, That's the, if that's the bad news, the good news is it happened last week. Matt Stafford threw for over 300 yards and completed over 80% of his passes. To have that happen, key number one has got to be number 90. Not our number 90, De'Veon Clowney. Their number 90, DeMarcus Tank Lawrence. Slide the protection to him. Chip him. Harass him. The one thing the Texans cannot do on Sunday is leave him alone. You can't allow him to go one-on-one against either the tackles, either the guards. If he loops inside, he demands attention. He's like a third—he's like a third grader looking for attention from from his parents. Mom, Dad, I need you. I need you. I want your attention. He's going to do all kinds of things if you leave him alone. If you leave him alone, it's going to create havoc. Just like that third grader is going to rip up his room or he's going to go eat like 15 Oreos, things you don't want him to do. DeMarcus Lawrence is going to do things we don't want him to do against this Texans offense if he's left alone. Now, there are going to have to be times in the game, going to have to be, where he's one-on-one. But the amount of time that you can limit DeMarcus Lawrence being one-on-one on Kendall Lamb or Martinez Rankin or either the guards, the better. He is long, he is very aggressive, and he is relentless. He will not stop until he gets to the quarterback. So even the tackles have got to realize that even if he's gone past the quarterback, they've got to continue on that block and stay on that block because he will work right back to him. You've got to stay on this block, but you need help. I think the best thing you can do are chips. When those defensive ends start getting chips like that, it really slows them down. I've seen it happen with our rushers. It really slows them down. I think double teams, our guys know how our guys in particular know how to deal with. And they can split it, and I've seen Jadevian do that a number of times. They can split that double team and kind of take both guys kind of back into the backfield. That chip, if a defensive end edge rusher sees it, a lot of times that just slows them down enough to really kind of lose rhythm and give that offensive tackle the opportunity to get a good block. Slide your protection to him, chip him, harass him. Two, three guys, doesn't matter. You've got to block 90 with more than one guy. The three sacks that he had against the Lions all came when he was singled up. All of them. One time he looped inside on a guard, beat the guard. Then the other two times he beat the right tackle uh, for the Detroit Lions both times. And he did it different ways. you got to account for 90, plan for 90, and never, ever leave him alone. Next one is about number 54, Jalen Smith. Now, there are a couple of Notre Dame Fighting Irish on the Texans that know all about him, played with him on that 2015 team, Will Fuller and Nick Martin. They know what Jalen Smith can do, and Jalen's back to being what he was in that year, of 2015. Now, he never would have been a, a second-round pick for the Cowboys at all if he hadn't ripped up his, his knee in the Fiesta Bowl against Ezekiel Elliott's, Ohio, Ezekiel Elliott's Ohio State team in that Fiesta Bowl. But it's taken Jalen a while. He sat it all of 2016. He came back in twenty seventeen. You could see it coming together. Twenty eighteen, it's seemingly all together. He can wreck up he can wreck the game plan. He can wreck the offensive game plan in a heartbeat. He blitzes well, he tackles well, he runs sideline to sideline, he covers backs out of the backfield. Very similar to the way the Texans approached Darius Leonard last week. They got to do that with Jalen Smith. Leighton Vander Esch will play the other spot with Sean Lee out. Good player, gonna be a really good player, but he's a rookie. I would take my chances with Vander Esch being the focal point for that defense as opposed to Jalen Smith. If you put the effort towards uh, Leighton Vander Esch and let, allow Smith to just make his place, he's going to kill you. 90 and 54, those are the two guys, I think, those are the two best players on the Dallas Cowboys roster, defensive roster. They're phenomenal. I think you can throw against a secondary. It's young, but 54 and 90, they're tough. Which leads me to, who's Jalen Smith going to tackle? Third key, if it's not 26, if it's not Lamar Miller, he's been dealing with a chest issue, he is, as he said in the locker room today, he's day-to-day, it's going to be a game-time decision. Then who? Alfred Blue? I've been real confident in Alfred Blue lately. He's run the ball, I think, very, very well. I think he's really kind of coming to his own the last half of last year and the beginning of this year. And then Tyler Irvin, we know can be a jack-of-all-trades from the backfield, and also Buddy Howell. We haven't seen Buddy in the backfield. We've seen him on special teams. Maybe this is an opportunity for Buddy to step up if Lamar Miller can't go. And we won't know about that until an hour and a half before the game. Sitting at questionable, if I had a lean, my guess my guess would be no, that, he would, that he's not going to go. But what those guys are going to have to do, Number one pick up all blitzes. When fifty four is blitzing, they gotta make sure they hit him right in the mouth. If they're gonna chip, they gotta get a good piece of DeMarcus Lawrence. And then last and certainly not least, the tight ends in the passing game. I've been asking for it for a while. They've had a couple of looks. Ryan Griffin had a key first down catch the other day. Jordan Akins caught that fourth and sixth one. But I'd like to see a game where the tight ends could get maybe, you know, eight to ten catches amongst them. Because I think it's gonna be the, the secondary is going to be so concerned with the Texans' three pass catchers with Kiki and Will and with Hop that they're going to leave those tight ends open, and they've got to take advantage of that at some point. All right, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. Number one, it's very easy to say stop twenty one. How? I think the one thing the Texans have to do to be able to to slow him down is take away all inside running gaps. You cannot allow Zeke to hit anything downhill. You must force him to bounce. He's got to get to the line of scrimmage, see nothing, and try and bounce to the outside. That doesn't end it, but it allows time for linebackers and safeties to go get him and tackle him with a bunch of guys. You're not going to tackle him very similar to Saquon Barkley with one guy. You're going to need multiple players to help tackle Ezekiel Elliott on Sunday. But if you force him to bounce, you have a better opportunity to do that. But if you give him downhill running lanes, and he doesn't need much, I saw him against the Detroit Lions fit through a gap that was maybe half his body size. But he got skinny and slid through it, picked up a nine-yard gain when really nothing was there. But if you close those gaps down and you force him to bounce, he gets to the line is like, nope, nope, nope. And he's got a, that just gives Tyrant, it gets Kareem, it gives linebackers more time to go get him. And that's what they've got to do. We need key number two. Whitney Merciless. J.J. Watts rounding into shape. We know that. Zevian Clowney had one of his best games maybe of his career last week. Witt has shown some moments. He had three tackles for a loss last week against the Indianapolis Colts. But we need him to really show up with the pass rush. Put some more pressure on Dak Prescott. This is going to be one of those days where Witt's going to have to do both. Help on Ezekiel Elliott by setting a good edge in the defense, but then getting back to Dak Prescott. And Witt's had to do a lot of his rushing from the inside. And he's won plenty of times from in there. But now he's got to put it all together and come up with a good two, two-and-a-half, three-sack game. That would be awesome. Need Witt to take it to a different level on Sunday night. And I know he wants to so desperately, especially considering this is the game that we lost him last year on a Sunday night game to the Kansas City Chiefs. When Witt turns it into the Whitney Merciless we know and Watt and Clyner are playing at that level, we're finally getting into the three guys where we want. That leads me to number three. I would say the secondary, but I think the coverage issues that have been prevalent have been a linebacker and secondary issue. Guys underneath have got to communicate with one another. If you got if you got hooked to curl and you got curled to flat, let's not both end up at the curl. Let's get our head on a swivel and let's find and play the most dangerous receiver and let's do it right. If we start to get the zone coverage right, and start taking away those lanes, then you got an opportunity to be a really good defense. I mean really, really good. But they're not there quite yet. And you know, key number four, that Dak Prescott is going to pull the football. He's going to pull it on the zone read, and you do not want him to get one long play, 30, 35 yards, whatever it is. You know, no big plays from Dak in the run game. Just can't have it happen. On special teams, high punts and touchbacks. The higher the punt, more fair catches of Tavon Austin. We need that. And touchbacks, I don't want Tavon Austin with the ball in space. I know the return units have been better. I just don't want Tavon Austin with the ball in space. I just don't want to play with fire. And I think he's got the ability to break it wide open with a return in the kick game or in the punt game. So there you go. Those are your first community credit union, first glance, keys to the game. Coming up, it's our player segment. We've got Tyron Matthew. We got player reporter with Kareem Jackson, sponsored by Arctic. We got the final word with Drew Doherty this week. It's Kiki QT. All next, right here on Texans All Access. We've got one final segment of Texans All Access this evening. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, and ready for Sunday night. Ready for Sunday night. My gosh. I, this one, because it comes around every eight years with a home game here, I was here in 2010. But 2002, I was back watching it back uh, in North Carolina where I was living at the time, and it was incredible to watch. I, I could just sense the excitement and the energy, and I was here for that in 2010, but the air got taken right out of the building with the way the Cowboys played that day, getting the W over the Texans. I believe it was like 27-17, something like that. Pretty resounding victory for the Cowboys at that point, led by one Antonio Romo. Yes. Of course, 2014, I was there on the sideline. What what an unbelievable experience and atmosphere! We had a thirty or forty thousand Texans fans in there. The Cowboys had to go to a silent count, tied the game at seventeen late in the game, but then a Dan Bailey overtime field goal did the trick at twenty to seventeen for the Cowboys. So the Texans have not beaten the Cowboys since that two thousand two inaugural game, and I played that for you on when, uh, on replay this week, the fifty three. Sponsored by CDW. You will absolutely love it if you haven't seen it. If you're a Texans fan and you've been since the beginning, you remember that first game against the Cowboys, you'll love seeing the 53. It's absolutely fantastic. And the narrator's pretty cool, too. Not saying who that is, but it might be me. Just saying you got to go check that out. All right. In the final segment of the show, each and every Friday, we turn it over to the players. First, we start with our man, Kareem Jackson, and Player Reporter. Player Reporter is brought to you by Arctic the official coolers and tumblers of the Houston Texans. Visit rticcoolers.com. Arctic Coolers, overbuilt, not overpriced. Now he starts off, and you can see this on the video, when he starts off with Tyron Matthew, he doesn't get an answer from Tyron, but he does eventually get one later on. But I just wanted you to know right off the bat, that's who Kareem is
6: talking to when he starts our player reporter this week.
7: In Texans.
6: I got a couple questions for you, man. I know everybody been requesting you to come on. Or well, at least I've been requesting you to come on. Get my views going through the roof. You know what I'm about? Shout out Arctic, man. My sponsors. I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. You're invited to a house party. What are you bringing? I'ma be I'ma be fat, I'ma say I'ma bring some food. Some food? What type what what name one dish you'll bring? One dish? Fried chicken. Fried chicken? Better not tell Lad. he'll be pissed about that one. <laughs> I'm going to bring my brothers, my fellow offensive linemen, because we rolls a pack. You know, Lamb played Davenport. What y'all going to eat? You ain't going to bring no food? I mean,
2: he's got the food.
6: One bucket of fried chicken for the big dogs? I feel like he'll, he'll look I, out. I, I, I think one of y'all can eat one bucket yourself. It depends on who's who throwing the party. All right, so let's say J.J. Was throwing the party. What you bringing? Nothing. Cause I know J.J. going to have everything he needs. So you one of those guys, huh? I was invited, here. and not me to bring nothing.
3: So what you want me to bring?
6: That'll probably be the last invite you get.
8: <laughs> I'm all about hospitality. hospitality. I'm going to bring some chips, some uh-huh. drink. Yeah. you know, yeah, so we I can like enjoy that. ourselves. Gonna I ain't going to show up empty-handed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh,
6: hey, we're going to throw a party there, and we need all that. We need all that.
3: might need to just bring the crew
6: through. Bring the crew, bring some of the guys so that way that party can liven up. You know what I mean? Have some have some people there. Better hoping some food there already or y'all going to starve. <laughs> Cause you ain't bringing no food or nothing, y'all going to starve. You don't starve. want me to cook nothing. Y'all don't want to eat anything that I cook. I, I, I'll save you from that. All right, cool. No cooking for you then. Bring that Aloha spirit, you know that. Mm-hmm. Good vibes. Right, right. And then some kind of food, I might bring some dessert. What about you, Big Reed? I'm going to order personal pieces for the whole party. Everybody get a personal piece. Everybody get a little personal size piece. How big the party is? I was party. just about to say, what if that's a huge party? Oh, no, nah, then I'm going to bring drinks. I'm all bring right. drinks. Well, at least you bring bringing something, because it's... No I'm going to bring one drink. We, we talked to one guy earlier. I won't say no name. Alfred Blue said he wasn't bringing nothing. That's usually about
8: him, though. He's going to bring himself and then eat up all your food and drinks.
6: Well, he never invited to nothing I'm having. This you got KJTV. Tyler TV, Matthews, man. We out.
0: Now those player reporter segments that Kareem does are absolutely fantastic. Uh, they're so so funny. You got to see him on video too because some of the facial expressions, some of the answers that he gets, some of the way that you can hear the retorts, but sometimes you got to see the facial reactions. And his when he gets an answer, when he's talking to Alfred Blue and Alfred's like, "I'm not bringing anything." Kareem's face is priceless, man. It's absolutely Priceless. So you gotta go check that out at houstontexans.com or if you got the app, you can see it there. Check out Player Reporter, KJack TV, sponsored by Arctic. Okay. Speaking of Tyra Matthew, he did a sit-down with James Palmer of the NFL Network. And James is a good buddy of ours. He was here working for CSN Houston for a couple of years as the beat writer essentially for CSN Houston for the Texans. And then when CSN Houston folded, he moved on to the NFL Network and has just done a tremendous job covering the NFL for the NFL Network. And he had a chance to sit down with Tyron Matthew and talk about any number of topics. They, they went on for a while. Well, we on our site posted a little bit, a kind of a snippet from that video that James did. And you can see on NFL 360, it's going to be on NFL Network this weekend. There's going to be a longer form video as James told me, I texted him and asked him if he was okay with me playing. He said, oh, absolutely. He said, we'll have a longer form interview with Tyron. In fact, there'll be more that comes from this interview later in the year. So I'll try and remember to give that to you. But James did a really good job interviewing with Tyron. This is really, really cool. This is Tyron Matthew with NFL Network's James Palm.
7: All oh, the hoodies, Badgers. Picked up by the Badgers. Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthews. Tyron
1: Matthews. And his first big play at the Houston Texans.
0: So I want to start this off by kind of surrounding it with the Hurricanes. What do you remember most about Katrina when you were 13 years old?
8: Chaos, really. We decided to leave last minute. My whole family, uh, about 30 of us, just scrambling, trying to pile up in cars and then get on the road. Everybody just seemed miserable. Obviously a bunch of families displaced, you know, you see guys in the shelter doing drugs. I mean, we were kids and we were all kind of exposed to it, but that was kind of like the safest place for us at the time. But then you come to Houston, and what was the reception when your family came to the Houston area? Because everything I've read is
0: they
2: kind of welcomed you guys with open arms.
8: They did. We actually got an apartment complex uh, right outside of Houston in, in Humble, Texas. For me, it was like a vacation, you know, almost. Um, Obviously, I didn't really understand the stress. I just knew I didn't have to go to school for for a while. (laughs) The people of Houston and the people of New Orleans, we all have this one thing in common, and it's just
2: hurricanes.
7: Kind of crazy here. all these years later you're back in the Houston area. Yeah, I guess life comes full circle.
2: (laughs) This city gave you refuge
8: when you needed it, and now you're in the position to lend a hand. Do you think of it? in that sense. When I got released in Houston, you know, name popped up. Obviously I thought about being close to home, but aside from that, you kind of think about all the people that have helped you along the way and, you know, I've had some good people in Houston that have helped me. foundation everything i'm trying to do off the field is strictly devoted to kids if i go to a boys and girls club and if i get to hang out with kids for an hour or two trying to you know get them resources and encourage them and inspire them to really look past their difficulties and look towards something great for me it's fulfilling um, because i know at the end of the day i may be helping someone
1: brady blowing over the middle and it's picked off tyron matthew
8: You know, some people consider me a great football player and tons of people scream my name, Honey Badger, and that's cool. I love playing football, but I think I love giving back more because I know if people didn't help me, I wouldn't be half of the person I am today and I definitely wouldn't be, you know, sitting in front of you. So, you know, I'm always conscious of that.
0: Again, as I said earlier, you're definitely going to want to catch the full interview of that as the year goes on. James texted me and told me that they'll have More of that interview with Tyron Matthew as the year uh, transpires. So hopefully if the Texans are doing pretty well, that'll get some run on NFL Network. But great stuff there from James Palmer and also from Tyron Matthew. And it's always in the last segment where we give the final word to Drew Doherty. This week, it's a former Texas Tech Red Raider, Kiki QT. trying to think how many Texas Tech Red Raiders the Texans have had over the years. B.J. Simmons, I know that. I'm sure there's some others. This one is the best, though. Kiki QT, tremendous game last week against the Indianapolis Colts. 11 receptions set a record dating back to the 1970 AFL-NFL merger. 11 catches the most for a player in his debut in NFL history since 1970. And that's, that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. He is a huge piece of this offense. We knew he would be. It was just a matter of when we would see him. We saw him last weekend. And now you get a chance to hear from him as he sits down with Drew Doherty. It's the final word of Drew Doherty
7: this week. It's Kiki QT. Thanks so much, fellas. We got wide receiver Kiki QT with us. And Kiki, a nice debut. And I say nice in quotes because that's what folks have described it as. But you and a few other people have said, hey, I left a little bit more out there. What do you mean?
9: All right, um, I had an early drop. I had a couple more during that game, so. Could have had more than what I had, you know, but I'm pretty uh, satisfied with the outcome.
7: How did it feel to finally get out there and be able to contribute? Because I know you were itching to go and you'd done nice things in OTAs. You'd done nice things at first start of training camp, but then you're on the shelf for a
9: little bit. Right, yeah, you know, I had a little setback here and there. It put me out for a long time, you know, but... Most importantly, you know, I had to get my body right just to be able to go out here and compete on the highest level. Was there
7: a welcome-to-the-NFL moment in that first game for you?
9: I would say just warm-ups, you know, just being in that stadium, that was welcome to the NFL for me. So just to be able to get my first catch, you know, just not dropping that and just getting some easy yards was pretty good.
7: Yeah, and you had a really tough catch there over the middle at one point where you kind of had to bend your body back and get it. You did that. You got some stuff on the jet sweeps. It's fun, I imagine,
9: to be able to contribute in a lot of different ways, isn't it? Right, yeah, you know, just me, you know, being a small guy and an explosive guy, you know, they like to move me around a lot and just to be able to have the ability to get the balls in my hand in different kind of ways. Is that what's fun about this offense is the different weapons that are there? You're a weapon. Will Fuller is a weapon, DeAndre, but you're all very, very different. Right, yeah, that's why I say, yeah, like I say, you know, this is the closest thing to Texas Tech, <laughs> so it's really at home for me, you know, just have all these, you know, shuttles and motions and things of that nature, so just to be here, you know, I feel like I'm in a great spot. It's funny you say that
7: about Texas Tech because a personnel guy after the game that I was speaking with said that game, that
9: 37-34 overtime win over the Colts, felt like a Big 12 game. Is that an accurate assessment? Right, yeah, think? so, you know, all the scoring and late scoring, you know, I'm pretty used to that, so, you know, that was – Know those are my kind of games. You know, guys like to score a lot.
7: Well, let's keep the scoring going. Let's talk about the the week ahead. The Cowboys come to town. It's a Sunday night matchup. What do you see from that secondary, the linebacking core that the Texans are going to contend with?
9: Oh uh, yeah, you know I have a uh, very great up front. You know, have great linebackers as well, and they have pretty decent um, secondary guys. You know, but you know we're not overlooking anyone this Sunday, so we'll be ready for the game.
7: A lot's made of this rivalry. I think much more on the fan side of things. You guys, correct me if I'm wrong, are more just focused on getting out of that one and three spot. You right. want. Two and three after
9: this right, definitely. You know, right now, as you know, it's one game at a time. You know, that cause victory is behind us, so we're working on Dallas for Sunday.
7: You're a Lufkin guy. You know a little bit about Dallas. You know a little bit about Houston now that you're living here. What do you sense of this rivalry? That from the fan side of things, I
9: feel like it's pretty serious. You know, <laughs> you know, I feel like it's you know it means a lot to everybody around Texas. So this game, I'm sure, it determined a lot of people's team.
7: So how special was it for you after the game you played last week to see what Dez Bryant, a former Cowboy and a Lufkin guy, right. said about you?
9: You know, kind of shocks me a little bit that he watches me as much as he does because you know he's you know he's, he's well on a bigger scale. You know, but I talk to him every chance I get. You know, he's a great mentor in my life.
7: Yeah, somebody that's done a lot in the NFL. I, I imagine you've picked up some things. Right. From yeah. That. You
9: know. Just coming in, before I came in, I actually sent him a couple messages, you know, got him got a little pointers from him, you know, how to stay in this league and what to do in this league, so he's very great.
7: Alright, how excited are you for Sunday night?
9: Very excited, you know, night game doesn't get, get any better than that.
7: Kiki QT, best of luck against the Cowboys, we'll talk to you again real soon. Alright, thank you.
0: I know this probably has to be a little bit of a weird one for Kiki in some sense, he's from Lufkin, which is also the home of one Des Bryant, and I know Des meant a lot and means a lot to Kiki QT, so I would imagine that Kiki grew up as a as a Cowboys fan, if he wasn't a Cowboys fan, he was probably a Des Bryant fan, no doubt. I know he was a Des Bryant fan. So he often was watching the Cowboys, and now he'll be facing the Cowboys on Sunday playing an integral role in this game against them. Sunday night against the Cowboys, that home game against them comes every eight years. 2002 was the first one. It was such an amazing night. We made a documentary about it. A 10-minute documentary. You got to see the 53 sponsored by CDW on the inaugural game. It's great stuff. And I was honored to be able to help in some way in that one. I narrated it. So you definitely want to check that out. 2010, it was ugly. Texans came in there 2-0. The defense really was not a great unit that year. And it kind of took that Cowboys game to start to show that. And then it was like, uh uh-oh. This could not. This may not be good, and the Texans obviously went from there to a six and ten record. Changes were made. Two thousand eleven, the team obviously won the AFC South, and it changed from there. But that two thousand ten game, the trouble was signaled right there in week three when the Cowboys beat them in two thousand ten, and then you got two thousand eighteen. Texans favored, as I said earlier, by three and a half, coming off a win last week against the Indianapolis Colts. The Cowboys are 0 2 on the road, 2 0 at home. The Texans are 0 1 at home. And if there's one thing I know Bill O'Brien and this organization want more than anything else, obviously Super Bowl rank, but to get there, to win at home. In 2016, they were 7 and 1 at home. 7 1. The only loss was the Chargers after that game uh, against the Raiders in Mexico City. That was the only loss. 7 1. They found a way at home to get the W's. That's the way this team has to be. At home it has to be it's very difficult to beat the Texans here it has to be that way as in you don't beat the Texans there as in if you see the Texans on your road schedule you should be worried that that's going to be an L that's what it has to be and look there'll be Cowboys fans in the stands on Sunday night I know that I'm very I'm sure of that they'll be and they'll be loud and it'll be it'll be a raucous environment but this has to be a place where the Texans win and has to be, NRG Stadium that is, a place where the Texans completely dominate and take over games. And this is where the fans have to be a big part of this. They've got to go get it done. I've never seen a victory over the Dallas Cowboys. Not in the regular season. I was there in 2014, covering the team as a sideline reporter. In 2010, I was there covering the team. I was not here in 2002. In fact, that was the only night that Texans beat the Cowboys. That's the only time it's happened. It happened on a Sunday night. So hopefully, history will repeat itself this Sunday night. It's time to go get a W. A lot of people to thank for tonight's show. Got to thank Bill O'Brien, Mark Vandermeer, Brian Gain, D.P. Sidhu, Bernardrick McKinney, Tyron Matthew, James Palmer, Drew Doherty, Kiki QT, and, of course, our man, Kareem Jackson, with Player Reporter, sponsored by Arctic. Sunday night's going to be a big one, everybody. Appreciate you listening to me tonight. We will see you on Sunday. Be loud. Be proud. Let's go Texans.